Welcome to Candidate Conversations, a podcast where we talk to candidates and elected officials about their life, family, careers, and how they got involved in politics and decided to run for office. I'm your host, Andy Cole, and I'm joined today by a special guest, Iowa Young Republican Chair and Nevada, Iowa Mayor Brett Barker. Brett, thanks you for being here. Um, if you want to just go ahead and introduce yourself and um, tell us a little bit about you and your family um, and what it's like, you know, being in Iowa. Yeah, thanks, Andy. My name is Brett Barker, and I have been involved in Republican politics circles since I was a student at the University of Iowa, um, which is longer ago than I care to count at this point. And um, I've also been involved in city government since 2010, and I've served on the city council and currently as mayor. Um, other than that, I serve as the county chair in Story County, Iowa, which is actually home of Iowa State University, which is super fun since I'm a big Hawkeye fan, graduate of the rival school, um, leads to some fun conversations and giving people a hard time and things like that. But no, um, other than that, yeah, you, you mentioned being from Iowa. I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about that. There's obviously a lot of eyes of what's going on here in our state right now, and it's a really exciting time. Yeah, so, you know, um, you mentioned a little bit about school and education. So if you could tell us just, you know, about your education and, you know, your career outside of being mayor um, and just kind of what that looks like and how, you know, outside of politics, your life looks. Yeah, I went to the University of Iowa for pharmacy school and graduated from the College of Pharmacy there with my PharmD in 2008 and moved. Um, I wasn't from Iowa originally. I actually grew up in Florida, finished high school in Illinois, which is what got me across the river to the University of Iowa. So I came to Iowa for school, really did fall in love with the state, wanted to stay, um, and ended up in a town called Nevada, Iowa, which is smack in the center of Iowa, town of about 7,000, and um, got to manage a pharmacy, community pharmacy there, um, for several years, kind of moved up the ladder. It's a regional pharmacy chain called Nucara. And right now I'm the VP of operations and compliance officer. So I really focus on uh, the pharmacy operations across the company and also making sure uh, legal and regulatory compliance. Um, from there, I've been very involved in the profession outside. Um, I served on the Iowa Board of Pharmacy, which regulates all the pharmacy licensees in the state and served as board chair. And now I'm with the Iowa Pharmacy Association as senior policy advisor, which is really great because it kind of merges my passions of pharmacy, pharmacy regulation, and politics. And so I get to spend time developing policy for the association, but also working with our legislators at the Capitol. And so that's really helpful right now because we have very large majorities. Iowa has shifted from a bluish purple to a pretty deep red um, and the time I've been here. And so what's helpful is all my connections I've made in Republican circles really help at the Capitol because they already know me and there's already a level of trust there. And so that, that's been um, really great the last two sessions to spend at the Capitol actually doing advocacy work. Yeah, so, you know, I know you, I know that, you know, you've got, you've got a family um, and obviously very busy in politics and in your career, if you can tell us, you know, what you do in your free time, I know you're a huge fitness person, um, but, you know, what are your hobbies that, you know, when you want to relax, kind of get away from things for a little bit, just to recharge, what all, what all do you do in those situations? 
know, it's really funny that people who have met me in the last few years know me as a fitness person because that definitely did not used to be the case. Um, but no, I mean, I have an amazing wife. I mean, she's definitely the support system that lets me do what I do. Um, we have four daughters, um, which is definitely super fun um, and also challenging at the same time. Um, just learned today that one of them has her first boyfriend, so we're entering that, that phase of life. <laughs> so we had that talk about he better respect you <laughs> type of a conversation earlier today. Kind of fun to have, actually. Um, but yeah, I mean, I enjoy, um, I've learned to enjoy. I didn't used to, you know, fitness, weightlifting, running, those types of things. Um, and you know, and that's a whole long story, but it really um, has really been a life changer. I mean, from being in chronic pain to actually feeling pretty good most days. And so I'm a big advocate about about that. But other than that, I really enjoy um, reading. I like science fiction, particularly Star Trek, which I used to hide at, back in the day. But now everyone knows I'm a nerd, so it's not a big deal. Um, and yeah, we, we rescued a dog in January. So that's been super challenging to work through that you know definitely there's some past trauma there kind of makes me sad what he must have gone through he's kind of looking at me right now wondering what i'm saying about him (laughs) um, we're still we're we're surprised so the goal was to have uh, an outdoor adventure running buddy because my girls aren't really into that and i'm like okay i need a boy dog to go do all these fun things and we're still practicing walking down the driveway so (laughs) (laughs) definitely an adventure um in our household right now I forgot two, and one of them, I've tried running. I hate running, but I've tried running with them before. And one of them, they they're the they're opposites. One of them doesn't run fast at all. The other one like has no um, control, no limit. He just like <laughs> runs, um, and like there's you. It's not possible to keep up. Um, you would think that he was a greyhound, how he'll just take off, but he's not. They're just herding dogs. But she, she's quick, but not like straight fast runner where he just is, you turn him loose and he runs. Um, is there any, why, any city that you've been to for YRs that you have not gone for a morning run? Oh, gosh. Because um, I feel like all of them, yeah, you've, most you've gone of them for a run. Been. Yeah, Nashville, I don't think I did, which was the first one I went to. But yeah, a lot of them I do. Arizona, I don't know if I ran, but we did hike Camelback, right. which is, it's kind of humorous because going up isn't a problem, you know, like, whatever. It's coming down that I'm a big chicken. So they were laughing. Uh, I had the down off, off Camelback. <laughs> I had the opposite problem, but I also went, you know, right after I landed, which I don't recommend. Um, yeah. Getting up, getting down, I was fine. Um, I, yeah, but I also, I didn't have the right shoes either. I didn't have hiking shoes and it it was Uh, quite steep. Yeah. No, that was a very unassuming, difficult hike. Yeah. Um, Very much so. The, the elevation change that quick would get, gotcha. Yeah. Um, No, and hiking is one thing I've gotten into too during, I did it for COVID, visited a friend in Montana. And so each year. You know, I've done it three in a row, going to be four, gone out and done some hiking, which that's just good because it it's something that's challenging, you know, both mentally and physically, because obviously the altitude, the climbing, I mean, the physical is obvious, but I'm also, I've always been afraid of heights. So it's a big accomplishment from that regard to go up there and do that. And just some of the most amazing scenery, 
you right. leave the world behind. I mean, we're all super connected and it's just really refreshing to be able to enjoy God's creation. It's absolutely pristine. I can leave the hot, humid Iowa summer behind and, you know, it's just crisp and beautiful and just really enjoy doing that. Oh yeah. I've already planning my birthday trip, um, which will be in the mountains so I can take some hikes, which will be very nice. <laughs> um, well, one because... of one of my near-term goals is actually to get the family down to the Smokies and the Blue Ridge Mountains because it's easier to take them doing some stuff there than it is the more challenging mountains out west. So we will maybe I'll be in your state welcome, soon. Look, gladly let me know. I can get you all the best cabins. I can point you towards the best cabins in Gatlinburg um, because I am have looked at probably every single one that there is to find. Um, and there's plenty of other things for the kids to do if they don't like to hike there. So yeah, um, Dollywood. <laughs> yeah. Do- Dollywood, plenty, plenty of things to do. Um, yeah. So how did you kind of transitioning now into politics? How did you first get involved in, you know, Republican politics? Yeah. I mean, it's always been an interest. I mean, even as a child, I remember kind of being aware of, of it. And it's funny because my parents were never super political, but I even think back to my preschool election. I'm going to date myself at this point. I'm an old YR. <laughs> but I remember we had a mock election in preschool and I knew my dad was a huge fan of George Bush as in George H.W. Bush. <laughs> and so I remember knowing that his opponent was Michael Dukakis and going home and giving my dad a hard time and telling him that I voted for Michael Dukakis that day. So, which I joke around, it's the first and only time I voted for a Democrat. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so since then, you know, I remember, you know, then really became more politically aware, you know, as Bill Clinton was president and then I was about to um, almost 18. I was a week short when the 2000 election happened. So I drove my mom to the voting booth because she wasn't going to go vote to make her go vote for George W. Bush. And then, you know, cast my first vote for W. And really at the universities when, you know, I attended some college Republican meetings, I didn't go to a lot. I wasn't an officer by any means. But then by the end, um, the Iowa caucus cycle was starting. And so that was my first introduction to the Iowa caucus. And that was the 2008 cycle. You know, you had I was able to go see Rudy Giuliani and John McCain and Mitt Romney and Fred Thompson and Mike Huckabee and everybody that was running that cycle. And, and it was just incredible to me, you know, to be able to have that access through that, through that cycle. And, you know, and it was actually this time, you know, in June, um, back in 2007 that, you know, I had a lunch break and went across town to the music store where Mike Huckabee had a campaign event. It's like me and, just a handful of people and talk to talk to him for a while. And I, you know, I'm like, I really like this guy. I think, I think he can go somewhere. It was pretty, pretty amazing to watch each event he had grow and grow and grow to then he was filling ballrooms and he won the Iowa caucus. So it just really showed, you know, the, the power of that grassroots because he didn't have the war chest. He didn't have the national media attention. He was willing to do the work and connect with voters and answer tough questions and it, it showed the importance of having the lead off states that are in smaller states where you can't just do the big media market buy ad buys and and buy your way to the nomination so um it, it was it was definitely um a great experience and even before that you know iowa being a swing state 
and the 2004 cycle. I mean, I got to shake hands with George W. and Laura Bush and Dick and Lynn Cheney that cycle, and um, which that was back before the selfie era, so I don't have photographic evidence. But I did shake all their hands back then and um, have some really great uh, memories from doing those things as well. So, um, you know, Mike Huckabee's consultant for that run was, you know, Tennessee native, former Tennessee Republican Party chair. So, um, you know, I know him pretty well. And, you know, I remember, didn't know him then, but, you know, he um, came out of nowhere, you know, seemingly to win that just by doing what you have to do in Iowa. And that's going to from county to county. Yep. He Um, he probably went to every pizza ranch in the state. Yep. (laughs) And, you know, meeting every single person you can. Um, So how did you first decide to run for office, um, you know, to get involved in, you know, city government and run for office? Yeah. I mean, at the university, I had been involved in student government and really enjoyed that, um, both at the college level and the university wide level. And, you know, so then I got done and, you know, I was looking at how to get involved in the community and just was interested in, you know, where's a good first step to really get involved in in policy development and government. I'm more of the policy guy, like legislator personality wanting to solve problems than I am the person who normally is in the front of the room with the microphone, which is funny because of what I do now. Um, But, you know, that's more of my personality. So I ended up running for city council at large back in 2009. Um, and I, you know, should have done more homework. I mean, looking back, there were a lot of dumb things I did that I learned from, you know, should have done more homework and things, but ended up running against an incumbent um, and ended up actually being pretty close. You know, I, you know, and looking back, knowing what I know now, how to campaign, I'm like, I could have won that race, but I didn't know what I didn't know. Um, and I mean, I tell him now that I'm glad I lost because, you know, my opponent is the longest standing member in the city council and just has a lot of historical knowledge and I value that. And so everything worked out how it was supposed to, but, you know, I ran at large citywide, I think it was about 30 vote margin or something. So it was, it was pretty close for me being new to town and him, you know, having lived here forever. Um, I, but anyway, from there. After that, the city council person from my ward, we have four wards and two at-large on the city council. So one of the wards resigned. And so the city council got to a point to fill that role. And I I had just run at-large and I actually won that ward with the most votes. So they appointed me to, to fill that vacancy. Um, and since then, you know, I did end up running at-large, um, which was the toughest race I've ever had. Um, and ended up winning that and you know what was interesting to that too just with the results is i won all four wards but the ward i had represented on the city council it was where all the margin was i mean i won that one much deeper so it just showed you know the people that that had gotten to know me more you know um supported me out there but from there you know had done that a couple years and our mayor in 2017 wasn't going to run again. We had a new city administrator that was, you know, learning the ropes. And half the city council was planning not to rerun. So we were going to have just some institutional knowledge that um, was leaving us. And I talked to a couple other city council people. 
and said, okay, somebody that knows what's going on has been involved in issues needs to run for mayor. And they both said, not as so I said, well, I guess that's me. And it's, it's been really great. Honestly, it's been one of the best things I've ever done. Um, it, it's actually far more positive um, than it has been hearing about complaints, which is the one thing I was worried about. But, and it also has shown, you know, because most cities in Iowa, the mayor really doesn't have any power unless they're able to build relationships. So most of our cities have more of a weak mayor form of government. Um, And if you can't build consensus and get people on board and rowing in the same direction, you're going to have, no ability to influence things and just seeing the vibe in the community um really become excited and positive and everybody's really fired up and i think a lot of that just comes from you know what you portray from from the from the city perspective and being able to pull people together it's it's been really great and i've really enjoyed it and it's honestly helped me grow too. I mean, there's so many times that it's like, okay, here's a microphone, go. You know, and you have to you have to be in front of the room. And 20, 25 years ago, I would have been terrified to to have to be in front of a room speaking to people. And now I do it all the time and don't even flinch. And it's been an incredible experience. And it's really rewarding to just watch the community thrive. Um, I was I just came from a, a meeting that we had where they're trying to get a legacy donor investor group together to to work on some projects in town. And I told them the hardest question for me to answer right now is what's going on in Nevada, because the list is so long, I don't even know where to start. And it's just great to be part of that, to be able to keep things moving in a, in a positive direction. We've, we've, and it, and there's inertia, so it takes a while to get things going, but now that we have them going, is pretty incredible, and we're in a two-county um, Ames uh, Ames uh, Metro Area Economic Development Group, and seventy-five percent of their economic development projects in the pipeline are from Nevada. I mean, and we're yeah, we're the county seat, but we're about the tenth of the population of Ames down the road. So it just shows um, what we're doing here is really working, and we, you know, being business friendly, being having a pro-development city council has really, really paid dividends. Yeah. So now kind of to talk a little bit about YRs, um, you were already involved in politics when you helped restart Iowa YRs, correct? Yes. And so you, you did it kind of similar to me and opposite of everyone else who get involved in YRs and then get involved in running for office and being in office and did it reverse. So how was that, you know, going in to helping restart a state federation? Do you think it gave you that big advantage because you were already involved um, and already knew a lot of people? Yeah, it, it definitely did. And, you know, I got involved, um, you know, I've been the county chair here in Story County since 2015, which is longer than I had planned on doing it, but now um, I'm committed to this next caucus cycle. And we had just come off the 2018 election and really uh, just it happened across the country. I mean, Republicans got shellacked in urban areas and suburbs. We really struggled with young professionals, college-educated professionals, and you know, I looked around in a county that has a big college town and said, if we can't start making inroads with young professionals, 
we're going to have a problem, you know, and really I had the experience of I had been involved in college Republicans at the university and I show up at a central committee meeting and the, the youngest one by decades. Right. And I think that's an experience of a lot of us and having that, you know, so, so what happened was um, there was another County chair that, you know, said, we need a young Republicans organization. Why doesn't Iowa have one? You know, I had just connected with her. She had an info meeting. I went down to check it out. Spencer Head was there. And despite that, I still wanted to get involved. <laughs> and, um, you know, her, her. I'm sure he'll love that. <laughs> yeah, I had to throw that in there. And kind of heard the, the mission of Young Republicans. Um, and just as it was something I was already passionate about getting young people involved in my county. And so I wanted to help do that on this, you know, at the state level. And I also looked around the room and, you know, at the time I would have, I don't know how old I would have been, but, you know, 35 or so and already established, had been involved and had experience in politics. But I was one of the only ones in the room that, that really had that depth of experience and so I was also concerned about bandwidth. You know, do I have the time and capacity to do it right? So I ended up running for national committee man to, to lend that experience um, to the board because I felt it was important if the organization is going to be successful. It needs somebody that understands how politics works, you know, where you can stub your toe, how you do things correctly, you know, do it in a way that builds relationships and not makes enemies. and you know, did, did that as national committee man, you know, two years came around, then I ran for chair, um, you know, for, for some of the same reasons, you know, we were getting established. Um, we were coming at, you know, hoping to come out of the pandemic. We were kind of still kind of in the thick of it then, but really said, you know, one of my goals was, you know, needing to, to get us to be respected and established and known entity across the state. And I think, Having been around, having had those connections, being a known entity, somebody that's a stabilizing influence that generally doesn't make enemies, that works well with people, um, that knows how to fundraise, was it was important to me to get the state apparatus really secured because chapters are going to ebb and flow. Young people have life events. You know that's always going to be a challenge. I think in our organization, you know, to keep the chapters moving in the right direction. But the key to keeping it stable in the state, I think, is having a strong state federation that can help do that and help the chapters when they stumble, get new people in if, if people fade away. And so ultimately, you know, that's why I ended up running for chair. And since then, you know, we got officially in the bylaws of the state party. We've been able to fundraise well enough to help all of our delegates and representatives go to all of our national conventions and national meetings, which is one of my goals because obviously the financial aspect can be a huge hurdle for from young people being involved. And I didn't want that to be in the way, you know, we've had excellent deployments. We had your own Senator Marsha Blackburn come out and do a fundraising event for us. We've had um, good, good results from, from that regard. And, you know, I really wanted to help build that out and then have something to hand over to the, to the next generation of, of leaders. And we just had our state convention. So now it, is very bittersweet because now I'm a, the former chair and I'm excited about the new officers and, and helping them um, really continue going forward in, in the positive direction and see where they can take it. Because um, Iowa really has a rich history in the organization and that is President Herbert, Herbert Hoover, who is an Iowan, 
worked with George Olmsted, who's also an Iowan, to actually found the YRNF back um, in the, the Hoover days. And so, you know, Iowa was critical to the formation of the current structure as it is today nationally. And even, you know, Senator Chuck Grassley, who people involved in political circles generally know him. And if you don't, you should follow him on, follow him on Twitter. But <laughs> we just saw Beth is vacuumed there in his congressional office. I don't know how it got out to D.C. But anyway, um, he was actually in the YRs back when, when he was younger. And so, you know, there is that history there that had somehow been lost. And I don't want, want, that, want that to happen again. You know, so that was part of my goal was to have something that will stand the test of time and be here for a long time. As as one former chair to a recent former chair, enjoy it. It's a weird adjustment, but it's a lot more fun. Um, being the <laughs> former chair, um, yeah. you um, you know, I am very much enjoying the role. Um, so, you know, as we we've talked about, you know, you've got you've got really important stuff coming up. You're in the first in the nation state. You've got caucuses, you know, not too far away. And everyone is in Iowa all the time now. I know, you know, from social media, you're at constantly at different candidate events. Um, how is that experience being there, being a county GOP chair, being well now former, but very recently a state YR chair um, and getting that opportunity to go and, you know, meet everybody and meet all the teams um, while they're, you know, in your backyard. Yeah, it's definitely something that I don't take for granted having not been raised in it. And, you know, the Des Moines Register recently listed me on their 50 most wanted endorsement list and just kind of blow, blew me away, to, you know, to even be in that conversation. Um, but yeah, it, it really is special. And, you know, I joke around that I have to shake somebody's hand three times before I'll even consider voting for them for the for president, because that's the level of access we have. And it's to, honestly, it's to the point that there are so many events that you can't even go to them all. And then I feel kind of bad because I can't go to them all. But I mean, work life balance, I, you know, I got to, um, you know, be be there with family and all that. But no, it, Iowans take it really seriously. They really vet these candidates. They put them on the spot. They make them answer tough questions, which makes them better candidates down the road. You know, because we, we want candidates who know how to withstand the pressure who can go on and win a general election, you know, in, in my opinion. I mean, that's really part of it. You know, so our role here isn't necessarily to pick the winner, but it's really to winnow the field to who's actually got viability um in, in that group because right now we have a pretty big group and when they come out of Iowa the group's going to be a lot smaller um so I think that's really our purpose is to be a funnel to winnow the field um we really take it seriously in the regard of you know everybody gets a fair playing field here so yeah there are some people and I get emails every once in a while why do you have somebody coming to town it should be only Trump well our if you know, first in the nation means everybody gets a fair shake. And so, you know, our state party doesn't endorse. I, as a county chair, have not endorsed. Most of the big counties don't um, because we want them all to to feel like they can come here and have, have a fair playing field and get to make their case to voters. Um, and, yeah, it's a, it's a neat process. Um, hopefully I can get some wires out here as we go through later. 
um, before the caucus and kind of sh show everybody how it works. But um, and and they they also get confused because the Democrat process has always been very cumbersome and complicated and very confusing. And ours is very straightforward and super efficient, which is, I guess, what you'd expect between the two parties. But um, yeah, it, it it's a definitely something and it's it's crazy you know the whole world watches here um and yeah it, it's but like i said i really like the fact that there are four smaller states and four regions of the country that kick it off because you get the you know the dynamics of being in the midwest and the northeast and the southeast and the west um in a way that makes the candidates really work the grassroots yeah, you know, we talked about before we actually started this, the fact that, you know, you get to see, you know, one of mine and Stevie's friends, probably more than we get to see her because she's always in Iowa um, and has been for several months now. So, um, you know, you don't get just to get to see candidates, you get to see and, you know, make friends with staff and um, volunteers and stuff like that, which is such a unique opportunity that not everybody gets yeah yeah i got to got to see lexi at the mike pence campaign kickoff event which was really really fascinating i hadn't done a presidential kickoff so i got to do that iowa caucus you know experience bucket list item and got to ask ambassador haley a question on a cnn televised town hall you know another another unique opportunity that not everybody gets to do and um, you know, it's to, it's to the point that you see them so much that then they know who you are, which blows my mind. Like when I see Nikki Haley and she goes, oh, I didn't know you were a runner. You know, I saw your stuff on social media. It's like, wait, what? You know, you know and remember who I am, you know? So yes, part, part, of, part of being in Iowa here. Well, I was going to ask, you know, before we wrapped up, if you had any fun stories from it, but I don't know if you can top that one. Um, you know, Nikki Haley saying that she saw on social media that you were a runner. <laughs> yeah. um, that's there, pretty, there's just uh, so many. Um, and we're getting ready to have our state party do their Lincoln Day dinner. So, I mean, I can plug that if anybody wants to come out to Des Moines. Um, it was a fantastic experience eight years ago. Um, big cattle call. It'll be July 28th, at the end of the month of July. And last time all the candidates came, and then they not only all came and spoke, but they all had their own big hospitality room. So you got to go from room wow. to room and shake hands and take pictures. And that was when I first met President Trump. And he leaned over and he looked at my name tag, said Story County on, and he goes, Story County, huh? Well, have you endorsed me yet? So that's my Donald Trump story. He asked if, if I'd endorsed him yet before he was even in the race, which is kind of funny. Um, one of my colleagues, he asked them if if he, if they were going to endorse, and he said, "Well, are you running yet?" And he said, "Yep." <laughs> it's before he came down his escalator, even so, quite in, quite interesting. Um, but See, yeah, they'll in all Tennessee, be there. Our, our county party chairs and county parties aren't allowed to endorse in primaries, so we get we we always get to you know be friends with everybody. Yeah, and that's nice. what I try to do. You know, and honestly, we've had an unspoken rule in my county. There's no rule for us, but we had previous chairs that did endorse and and cycles. And it it's just hard because, you know, I see our job as representing the all factions of the party, everybody within it. And if you pick a side, it it can really be problematic from from that regard. So it's not something um that my co-chair and myself, we haven't endorsed in that whole time. 
um, for, for that reason. So before we wrap up, is there, you know, like I said, any other fun stories either from caucuses or helping restart Iowa YRs or just, you know, from campaigning and running for office that um, you want to share that you think, you know, other YRs would would like to hear um, before we wrap up? Yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, not to be afraid of stepping out and taking that leap to run. And I know it can be hard to put yourself out there because, you know, I'm the type of person in my my good friend, who's one of my lifting buddies always tells me, you know, your biggest strength is that you care. And also your biggest weakness is that you also care because, you know, sometimes it's hard for me not to internalize some of the the unfair criticism that comes. But, you know, it's it's also we need good people that are willing to step out and really make a difference. And their their rewards are so much greater um, to be able to use the gifts that God has given me to improve my community right now um, and and in a positive way and really make a difference in people's lives. And we need more young people willing to do that. Um, I also look around at a lot of the problems in our country and in our state, and I really think maybe having more young people at the table can help improve that too. I mean, we, you want to talk about some of the issues we're facing, like Social Security, Medicare, the national debt. I mean, that's going to come down on us and our children even now. Um, the, the debt that we're, that we're overspending, you know, and we're also, millennials are now the largest voting bloc. I mean, we should be making our voices heard to, to correct some of those problems. Um, and it all starts with being involved and taking that first step. And the other thing, too, is, you know, we as a party need a strong bench. Because if you don't have a strong bench of people who are elected and able to step in, when you, you never know when you're going to have openings and different seats. I mean, you need people ready to go when the time comes and the door opens to step into it. So if you've ever thought about running for office, I definitely would, would encourage that. Um, there's city councils, there's school boards, there's county offices, there's all sorts of different local offices that would be really great ways to really get started. Um, and like I said, make a difference, be there when it's time and you need to step up and, and fill that role um, and be part of that bench. And, you know, because I can tell you when the bench isn't there, like in my state right now, the Democrats have gotten beaten so bad the last few cycles that they don't really have notable candidates ready to step into these races anymore. Um, they have just a couple people, maybe statewide, that are that are well known and and in that prominent role, and it's because they've just had their bench not has gotten wiped out and is not as strong as it used to be. So it's definitely important to always think down the road too to make sure we have good strong YRs elected, um, and it makes a difference too. We we've we've been really successful getting a lot of YRs elected to the state legislature which is also a challenge for the organization because then the chapters don't have the leadership because they move on to the state legislature, which is a good problem to have. But they really can influence the debates and the decisions made um, in our state because we're getting such a large, we're calling it the YR caucus within the legislature. Um, there are so many of them that, that they're getting critical mass where they actually can, can have a big influence together. Thank you for listening to Candidate Conversations. I'm your host, Andy Cole. Follow Tennessee Young Republicans on social media and donate on our website, tnyoungrepublicans.com. Please join us again for the next episode of Candidate Conversations.